0: Compliments to Victoria Stewart for being prepared oh. to state categorically on national radio <laughs> the concerns that so many are quietly expressing about the rhetoric and the underachieving of the current Labour government. Um, so it's really 70-30 in your favour, Victoria. Here's one, Charles and Christia says, Can't believe your panellists comments saying the government had an easy ride. We are the proof of how effective the government is. Opposition parties wanted us to open up far too soon until they did a complete change of direction. They also crowed how effective Taiwan was and we should use their systems. This country's in a bad way now. That country's in a bad way now. Just look at what Kiwis can do now compared with just about any other country.
1: Well, just in response to that, I didn't say we had um, screwed up how we responded to COVID. It was just on the vaccine rollout. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And actually, that
0: segues quite nicely into our uh, next uh, topic. By the way, I'm with Victoria uh, Stewart and Peter Field this afternoon on Friday's panel. Lovely to have you company, as always. General practitioners throughout the country are fielding dozens of questions daily on the COVID-19 vaccine. Does it cause disease? Does it alter my DNA? Does it interact with medication I'm already taking? It's a vaccine that has been tracked and monitored in more detail than any vaccine in history, writes uh, our next guest, and will strongly continue to advocate for it, says Dr. Brian Betty in an opinion piece for Stuff. So thought, we thought we'd get him on to discuss the issue. Dr. Brian Betty is the Medical Director of the Royal New Zealand College of General Practitioners. Dr. Betty, kia ora. Oh, nice to be here. Well yes, thanks for coming. And I brought this issue up because, look, a month ago... We had a Q and A on this issue. People were really, really interested, and there was a there was still a lot of information that people wanted to know but weren't quite sure of. Do you find that?
2: Yeah, no. As I said in the article that I wrote, um, general practitioners are fielding a lot of questions about the vaccine so patients are wanting reassurance that the vaccine's safe they're wanting reassurance they can have it with other medications they may be on and um just to discuss how the vaccine works and what actually goes on so so that's that's a big role that GPs play they are reassuring the patients that the vaccine is safe it has been studied around the world there's hundreds of millions of doses of this Pfizer vaccine that have been given and most importantly it's effective, and that's that's really really important to understand. Yeah, and
0: it's even the things, the sort of things you hear at uh, at discussions, you know, be it a bar or a cafe or a dinner party. You know, turns to vaccines, and the question is, mm, what do you are you looking Are you going to take it? You know, so yes, it's actually yeah. it's actually top of people's minds, isn't it?
2: Oh, look, it's front of mind, and it should be. I mean, this is the biggest vaccine rollout this country will ever see. It is incredibly important as to what happens over the next year or two in relation to. The, the COVID pandemic, which is still racing around the world at an unprecedented rate. And um, we need a 80 to 90% of the adult population to be vaccinated in order to to safely move ahead. Um, so, yeah, the fact people are talking about it, I think, is good. My concern, as I, I pointed out in the article, is some of the misinformation that is out there on the internet and mm. on Facebook and things, which, which is pseudoscience, uninformed, and, and has the potential to sway people away from the vaccine. And that is a worry. We call it vaccine hesitancy, where people are questioning, which is fine. But if it moves them into a position of saying, well, look, the vaccines, I won't take the vaccine, then I get really, really concerned about it, as do many, many GPs around the country.
0: Right. Uh, our panellists uh, will have some thoughts. But just those three questions that I asked or I referred to uh, at the start there. So does it cause disease?
2: Absolutely not. Categorically, no, it's inactive, it can't do it. No, no, no.
0: Does it alter my DNA?
2: No, it can't, because the <laughs> RNA uh, vaccine doesn't end up in the nuclei, which is where the DNA sits. It sits in what we call the cytoplasm, so, so biologically it cannot in any way alter the DNA of the cell.
0: And does it interact with medication I'm already taking?
2: No, in the vast majority of cases, because it's what we call an inactive vaccine an mRNA vaccine it doesn't interact with medications it's safe from that perspective but again if you've got any 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 questions about that or you're wondering about that just mm. sit down and have a chat to your gp or your nurse mm. about that and and, and to talk it through it's yeah, easily Pe- solved
0: peter field you first comments or a question Well, first of all, it's a pleasure to
3: to speak with our our GP here and a shout out to mine. I definitely trust my doctor. So uh, Pippa Mackay, Brett Mann, thank you very much. Um, (laughs) Uh, You know, but we've we've gone through some challenges here. So I I think it's great for you to be sympathetic um, to vaccine hesitancy. Uh, We need vaccines. Vaccines are one of the greatest inventions humans have ever come up with. Um, But, you know, in this period of COVID, I think there's lots of reasons to be sympathetic with people who find themselves less and less trustful of certain institutions, because we really haven't, as a world, handled this pandemic entirely well. Um, The WHO, I think they whitewashed, right? They they went to Wuhan and said, oh, we know where this came from, or we know where it didn't. Um, The CDC in America has handled this very well. 27 scientists in The Lancet published a self-serving claim in the name of science that, that, you know, there's no way this was a lab leak. Uh, Facebook banned all discussion of COVID origins, but one. Um, so I, I think we should understand that science struggles at times, and while the vaccine is entirely safe, we should understand why people have hesitancy when they're uh, not sure of what's the right advice.
0: Okay, well, there's a few issues there, Brian. But do you want to pick up on any of them?
2: Yeah. Look. Look. I need to. I, I. I. I hear what you're saying. I think we need to separate that out. Those bigger global issues about about covid itself and where it comes from and what it how it's behaving and what's going on in the whole geopolitical um sort of milieu that sits above that is one issue yeah we need to separate that out from the vaccine i mean one of the points i'd make you know we've had some issues in new zealand but we've actually managed COVID very well and we're in a luxurious position i think where we don't have COVID swinging around the community we have the luxury of time at the moment to get the vaccine program right and I'd hate to think that we mixed up our views on the vaccine at the end of the day with some of this, this wider political sort of worldwide view of COVID that's going okay. on. And we need to separate them out and make that very, very clear. So mm. I totally agree with what you're saying in terms of the, the confusion around that. And people are allowed to be hesitant. I'd really encourage them to sit down and have a chat about it with, with their GP. Talk about, to your GP. Yeah, so uh,
0: well put. Yeah. Victoria.
1: Um, I think those, que- those three questions that you raised, Wallace, to me sound like actually legitimate questions that people might ask when they don't understand how the vaccine is going to work. But yeah. I do have some sympathy for GPs because, man, you guys must be, and women, must be just fielding so many qu- of, you know same questions over and over each day and i do wonder whether there isn't a role for the ministry of health to be picking up some of these common themes and doing you know a bit of a, a public sort of um media sort of um frenzy um much like the wash hands you know stand 2 meters apart just to sort okay. of get the information out there
2: I, I actually agree with that. I think um, the government the ministry needs to start to be very clear on the vaccine the program itself. That, that sort of started at this point and I, I think it's really really important that there's very clear consistent messages about the vaccine going forward over the next 6 months as, it, as this rolls out so that the public is, is informed and can make, you know, informed consent over the vaccine, make up their own mind about it. Um, but it needs to be based on the basic science and what we've seen and absolutely the need for this to happen. So um, I agree. I think there needs to be very clear public communication about the vaccine, the safety of the vaccine, and some of these issues that are um, people are, are legitimately, as you're saying, asking questions about.
0: Dr Brian Betty from the Royal, College, uh, New Royal New Zealand College of General Practitioners. Thank you very much for your time.
2: It's been a pleasure.
0: 17 to 5. The panel. In uh, Z National, uh, and thank you very much for your thoughts and your feedback coming through on the Friday afternoon here. Now to this uh, issue here, cycling opponents. Plan to block Auckland's cycle route and bridge, in, the bridge to, in a bridge counter protest. People are aiming to take over Auckland's popular cycle route along Tamaki Drive this Sunday in protest against the cyclists who crossed the Harbour Bridge last month. In frustration of no cycle path plan emerging over the bridge, despite being years in the pipeline. A new $700 million cycling bridge now replaces original plans for SkyPath, a walkway attached to the side of the bridge. So we've had uh, cycling advocates on several times uh, on the programme, and we welcome them. But uh, this time round, let's bring in Ben Chapel who is organising this protest. Welcome to the panel. Hey there. How are you? Great, thanks. How are you? What's this protest about?
4: So, more than anything, it's about identity. Um, We see everyday cyclists breaking the law on the road, and there is just no way to identify them and enforce the road rules on them. You know, they love to say that, you know, NZ drivers, you know, kill cyclists all the time, and we do have some of the worst drivers in the world. I've travelled around the world a lot, and our drivers are awful they're also accountable for their actions. We have license plates and when we do something wrong the police can pull us over or catch us on cameras and enforce the rules on us but there is no such thing for cyclists Uh, So you, you, you also
0: want a registration for cyclists? Exactly, yes wouldn't you? I mean, wouldn't you, uh, as an anti-cyclist, wouldn't you be applauding the fact that uh, you'd want to keep them in their own lanes, their own cycle lanes? You should be pro bike lanes, Ben.
4: I am very much pro cycle lanes, but I, I am not an anti-cyclist. I think that you know, cycling on the road is perfectly fine as long as you respect the road rules and others around you. But as a resident of Auckland, specifically Mission Bay, it is an everyday occurrence that we see negligence towards the road rules and a massive disrespect of other road users by cyclists on the road. Of course, that happens with drivers as well, but it's just... It does happen with
0: drivers as well, and by, by far the majority, it's the cyclists who get hit, who get maimed, not the people driving these massive SUVs or trucks or big tin cans, Ben.
4: Indeed. However, we are liable for our actions because we are identifiable. You cannot say the same about cyclists. We saw an issue in Wellington, I think it was yesterday or the day before, where a man was riding a bicycle on the footpath. He hit a woman after screaming at her to get out of his way. He hit her. She fell. She hit her head. She was bleeding, and he ran away from the crime scene with a few people chasing after him. Eventually, the police found him somehow, miraculously and they you know, they gave him a warning for assaulting this woman.
0: All right, well, let's bring our panellists. Victoria, what questions do you have?
1: Uh, I'm just a bit confused, actually, because... Um, <laughs> What's the protest actually about? Yeah, like, the thing is, um, it seems to be protesting against cyclists and trying to block their, their, their cycling route, but at the end of the day, if you want them to have to cycle round with a big registration plate on their hat or whatever, it's government that's going to change it. You seem to be targeting the wrong audience here.
4: Not at all. So... You know, the cyclists, they stormed the Harbour Bridge. That was an illegal protest. We are simply walking along the cycle lane, which is barely used. The government just spent $20 million building this brand-new cycle lane, and every day we see cyclists instead using to use the road, which is right next to the cycle lane. Uh, The cycle lane has a beautiful surface. It's very nice to ride on. I did that myself in my recent YouTube video. I compared the road to the cycle lane, and there is no reason to be using the road when there is a brand new cycle lane right next to you. So we actually won't be obstructing many cyclists because they choose to use the road anyway. Hang on, but
1: hang on, can oh, I just sorry. interrupt here? Because <laughs> please, please I do thought um, I thought you said that this um, protest was about registration identification of cyclists, but you're mentioning the storming of the Harbour Bridge, which seems to be a different issue. So I am quite interested to be that we are clear about what this protest is about, and it seems to me we're getting mixed messages.
4: Well, if all the cyclists on the bridge had license plates those days, then the police would be able to identify them and charge them accordingly for quite literally breaking the law.
0: Peter,
3: what do you think? Well, I don't really have anything to say to chapel law, quite frankly. In but I'm glad of... to say that New Zealand has bad drivers, bad cyclists, and probably very dangerous pedestrians. We probably walk badly, too.
0: Actually, um... I've got to ask you, Ben, in, in terms of breaking law, weren't you the guy that made headlines a couple of years ago, snapped hanging out of a car boot on the Harbour Bridge? Was that you, or was that someone else? Indeed, I was.
4: That I was, was you! A... Indeed, I was safely strapped in, but because I had a licence plate on my vehicle, I was identified. The police came to my house, questioned me, but then decided not to charge me oh, or find on. me because I was strapped in safely.
0: What an absolutely reckless thing to do. Why is that? Because you were hanging out there. I'm just <laughs> describing, the, I'm actually I'm only paraphrasing the police, who said the incident was extremely dangerous at the time. And what well, Kotahi described it as reckless and dangerous.
4: Do you think that cyclist storming the Harbour Bridge and blocking half of the bridge is not reckless or illegal?
1: I don't think it was reckless. I don't think anyone was in harm. Um, no, I have nothing to really this was, person
2: at all. There was
4: a certain woman that was trying to visit her dying father in hospital, and she didn't make it there in time because the cyclists were blocking the Harbour Bridge and causing
0: a lot of traffic delays. Probably
1: allegedly, allegedly, yes sir.
0: Allegedly, yes, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Hey, Ben, just finally, um, so uh, the protest is Sunday. Uh, so far, you've got uh, 124 non-cyclists going compared to the 1,500 that turned up the, the other week. You hoping for more?
4: Yeah, we welcome anyone to come along, cyclist, non-cyclist, whatever you'd like. We'd like to reiterate that this is a peaceful protest. Unlike the cycling protest, it will not be illegal, Will will not be bropping any roads or state highways or we'll be walking in the cycle lane and we have been in correspondence with the police daily to ensure a safe fun and productive event for all
0: all right hope the day goes safely very good ben chapel law there who is organizing a protest on sunday big response to uh to that, uh, and you can go back online if you want to go back to rnz.co.nz forward slash the panel. We talked to uh, Cycle Advocate uh, last week on this uh, very issue, in fact, a couple of times there. Uh, It is 10 to 5, the panel, RNZ National. Now, electric car use is one of the cornerstones of the Climate Change Commission's advice to the government on how to become carbon neutral, but how feasible is it? Reports Harry Locke for RNZ. Reducing it is one of the Climate Change Commission's main focal points on how to reduce the country's overall carbon footprint. The Commission wants to steer away from petrol and diesel cars and turn towards EVs, but with most costing tens of thousands of dollars, price is a formidable barrier. Road transport is the driving force behind nearly half of all New Zealand's CO2 emissions, and electric cars make up a tiny fraction of the country's Entire fleet. Now there's going to be, speaking of Sunday, there's going to be an announcement on electric vehicles. So to discuss is Catherine Trounson, chairperson of Better NZ Trust. They put on an annual EV road trip. Catherine, kia ora. Good afternoon, Wallace. Are you excited about EVs being propelled to the fore at last?
5: <laughs> um it, it felt like a very long and uphill struggle, Wallace. But I think we're getting there, you know, little by little, but um, I appreciate there is a long, long way to go. But there are some myths out there still which are uh, not helping the cause in any way at all.
0: Give us a couple of those myths. Uh,
5: that an EV costs hundreds, uh, tens of thousands of dollars. You can actually get EVs um, in the 10 to 15,000 Dollar range, and, but can you? Um, I've been
0: looking up trade me twenty twenty one Hyundai Elite eighty six grand, twenty twenty Kia Nero seventy eight grand.
5: Yes, yeah, so but Wallace, those are brand new cars. You can get second hand Leafs um, at a very much uh, reduced price, and um, I think I've probably um, mentioned this uh, statistic before. But most um, journeys in New Zealand are less than thirty kilometres a day. So um, even though um, I'm not advocating that people necessarily want to start driving Mm. from Auckland to Wellington in a Nissan Leaf, um, Mm. there are people who have done that. And certainly for the vast majority of small trips around town where a lot of the um, you know the emissions come from can easily be replaced by um, an electric vehicle. The ones that cost seventy and eighty thousand uh, today, hopefully, will be in the second hand market in four or five or six years time.
0: Right. Okay. So this is uh, this issue is really gaining some traction. Electric vehicle, Victoria. Have you ever considered buying an EV? Maybe you have one. I don't know.
1: I I don't have one at the moment, but I have considered it, no, and yeah. certainly my next one will be hybrid or EV. Oh, yeah. it will. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just think the technology is improving year on year, and um, I think there'll be uh, cost efficiency, and I think it's a great way to, to go if you can afford them.
0: And here's the one. I bought a second-hand EV import for $17,000 recently. Enjoy it. Uh, Peter Field, what about you? No, I think the government should buy everyone her own
3: Tesla.
1: Yeah, I like that. Right,
3: we could do that. Um, what, what do I think? I, I think that... Um I'm really hoping that the real breakthrough will be new materials that will make very, very strong cars so, so light that we can have hybrid engines and they'll Mm -hmm. drive a long way. And that'll be a breakthrough that technology will help us through this before we all have to have or have mandated electric cars.
0: Uh, I mean, there's going to be an announcement on Sunday, Catherine, about EVs. What are you what are you hoping for here?
5: um i'm hoping that uh what was initially um suggested in the clean car standards and the clean car policies of a couple of years ago um will actually come to pass uh, whereby um very heavy heavily emitting uh cars will be taxed um you know over and above the the cost of the car and that that money will be funneled into uh, people wanting to buy um, EVs um, and or uh, plug in hybrids, which will just assist people into that transition. I think we do need we do need some government help into the transition. And in fact, when that was in, um, originally mooted, as I say, a couple of years ago, that put a lot of people off buying an EV because they kept uh. saying, I'm waiting, I'm waiting until the government you know, hand me some money in order to do it. But um, you save so much money driving on clean electricity. And although I heard your panelists uh, talk about hybrids, um, those still use fossil fuels. You still have a petrol engine to maintain. An electric motor has absolutely no maintenance apart from rotating the tires and filling the screen washer bottle.
0: It's certainly interesting because when we, whenever we talk about EVs, we do get quite a big response. And I must say, those who do have them do like having them. For example, here's one of many. My five year old Leaf costs 19 grand. It is fantastic to drive and has only added $20 to our monthly electric bill and saves $350 a month in petrol. So. Absolutely. I mean,
5: don't those those figures just make your heart leap for joy, Wallace?
0: Well, (laughs) I haven't got one, but it'd be quite a nice saving, sure thing. Catherine Troulson, Chairperson of Better NZ Trust, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it.
5: You're more than welcome.
0: Now, finally, with uh, the panel I-International, Peter Field and Victoria Stewart, my sister and I are creatives marooned in the family home. Creatives. That is, our parents want us to get real jobs writes Eleanor Gordon-Smith in the Guardian recently my sister and I have been discussing how at odds we both feel living under the conventions of a western capitalist society we are two of five children the others are happily embraced, have happily embraced these conventions partners, stable jobs, houses starting families but my sister and I remain in the family home and are both working on manuscripts and we're at the height of our creative output We lament the fact that our parents want us to get real jobs and live normal lives. So, around the panel, what would you say to these two sisters, Victoria?
1: Grow up. You are living off Western society and your parents' goodwill. Uh, But they have a
0: book out. You never know. It might be the next Secret History. It might be the next um, great film. Can't you give creativity a little bit of leeway?
1: Not when you're living off mum and dad and moaning about how awful Western society is, because they're not checking out of Western society. They can go and live in a commune and do that.
0: <laughs> okay, harsh, harsh in Wellington. <laughs> Peter in Christchurch. Well, I'm just hoping one of them is Lord,
5: and we just don't <laughs> no, know. No, it. it's
0: not. Yeah, that's right. Um, so let's put this to you, Peter. If you were the parents, uh, would you sit down at the, at the dinner table and said, "Let's have a bit of a quarrel around"? Uh, whether or not you're going to get a real job or would you say to them what you're doing is fantastic keep up the creativity
3: well i don't doubt that there'll be a universal income right a universal basic income sooner enough so i don't know that real job quite works i do know this though that uh, we have three daughters and the the oldest is uh third year of electrical engineering at the university of canterbury (laughs) so we don't have this discussion she'll support us (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah
0: should we be more accepting though of those who don't want to follow a life path, Victoria, in a nutshell.
1: Yes, if they can support themselves, and I don't have to support them.
0: What a way to end a Friday! <laughs> thank Gosh, you, Wallace. Uh, great to have you both on, Peter Fear, Victoria Stewart. Thank you for your time. I'm Wallace Chapman, and thank you for Laura, to Laura Dooney for putting the show together. I'm Wallace Chapman. See you Monday, Dr.
1: Ella Hendry, and Patrick Gower, Monday.